Hi, I'm Emma Cousin, an artist in South East London, and I started this podcast to keep us artists in touch under lockdown. I wanted to talk to other artists about the impact of the lockdown on the artistic community and explore what's changed, what's lost and what's been discovered. In this episode, Catherine Bradford and I talk about where she is currently, in Maine, which is also where we met, and hear about her arrival there from New York. We talk about what Catherine is making from the kitchen table and about the ideas of dry mediums, white paper and stubborn images. We discuss communities, talking about the phenomenal residency programme Skowhegan and reflect on our relative experiences of it. Catherine talks about how she wanted an artist's life and how she painted herself into it, both literally and in dialogue with her many peers. Catherine says, I don't fool around. And we explore this, talking through her process, her interactions with her sick paintings and her pace. We think on the ignored paintings and her editor, Canada Gallery. We talk about the themes in her last painting show in London and her distinctive heads. We touch on her show at Adams and Almond Gallery in Portland. And we end with her dead brushes and simple pleasures. Thank you for joining us for Chats with Artists Under Lockdown. Hello, Catherine Bradford. <laughs> Hello, it worked. Thank you so much wow, for persevering. <laughs> I know you're amazing. Thank you. No, you're amazing. I know, you know, it took us, well, never mind. <laughs> across the sea, we had to go across the Atlantic Ocean. Exactly, exactly, to get the technology to, uh, to kick in. They they were suspect that I was using Skype from Maine and because I'm not in New York now. So yeah. They made me jump through a lot of hoops to prove that I wasn't some that that I was Maine. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's scary they know where you are. Yeah, and doubt and doubt me. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's good to hear your voice, though. So you're in Maine. I'm in Maine, yes. And thank you. I, I hate to think what you had to do to get through. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I'm over the moon that we did. It's really cool. Um, and are you, are you working? How is it there? How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are you? Well, um, I'm well. And good. I'm here with my spouse, Jane. Lovely. And both in a house that I used to live in year round. And then I got tenants to take it over in the winter. Yeah. So the tenants very wonderfully agreed to leave so that we <laughs> could stay here. Fantastic. And then we drove up from New York, but we've been in quarantine. The quarantine is just over. Oh, it's over. Well, we had to do 14 days quarantine. Oh, I see. And, I see. After and the now journey. we're, and, and I guess we're okay now. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, um, has it been easy or has it been, like, has it been kind of an adjustment, a nice adjustment to have time together, I guess, is what I'm asking. It's, um, well, I'll tell you, leaving New York was really stressful because we thought we would be stopped yes. and told to turn around. 
and there were big signs highway staying saying stay home oh gosh but but actually the drive no one stopped us no one was about <laughs> and and we got here and as you saw on social media our our neighbors were incredibly welcoming i know i love that image they were all out in their cars at a safe distance but honking and i mean were they making loads of noise and it just looked a really amazing parade <laughs> It was. I'll never forget it. It was one of the nicest things that's ever happened to me because we we felt so badly bringing our New York germs (laughs) into Maine. Yeah. But we were welcomed. Yeah, it's lovely. And and you're home? You're staying home? Yeah, I'm staying home. Um, I'm making lots of drawings. I mean, I'm trying to look at it like a kind of residency. home residency yeah yeah so kind of giving myself a little like reading list and you know in, in a good way sort of finding all the things I was supposed to hope to be doing and loads of drawing really tapping back into that and then playing with some animations which has been nice very frustrating technology is not my strong suit um and yeah and, and maybe some miniatures I'm just thinking about maybe going really small you can't go to your studio? Well, um, I, I can sort of, yes. I mean, I can go, I can cycle there and I can try and not be with other people. Bits of it are communal. The, the sort of loo, the toilet facilities are communal. So there's a bit of negotiation. But yes, yeah, I can go. Yeah. I'm glad. I know. Otherwise, we'd be going mad, I guess, wouldn't we? I mean, how about you? You can go. Is it the studio that I came to in Maine? Can you go there? Well, the problem is that all my art supplies are in a big pile waiting to be picked up in Brooklyn. Oh no. But the but the trucker doesn't think it's safe to go to Brooklyn. Yeah. And so he's coming he's going to do the trip in May. Wow. Which, which so I just have to be patient. Meanwhile, I'm working on the kitchen table. Yeah. How's that? Well, you say you're doing drawings and you really are doing drawings. <laughs> I, 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 when I work on paper, I use gouache and they're more like small paintings. Yeah. Lovely. And how, how small is small? Um, the typical size is 11 by 14. And that's inches, right? Just for, for us. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's American inches. American. A little bit bigger than a, than a, page of a big book yeah yeah so kind of intimate yeah and and you know over the past few years people have said what about your work on paper and I've said well I just don't have time (laughs) yeah for sure so as you said this is this is a surprising Mm. (laughs) turn yeah us artists when we have to rethink everything well totally yeah I mean was gouache because I love gouache gouache is like it has that really dry quality that goes really thick sometimes but then you can get it super thin washes as well is that something you've used before is that like I didn't know you used I mean I one of my questions was about your works on paper so I'm I'm glad we've, <laughs> we've gone straight into that but is gouache something that you you go to as you're like if you like drawing painting medium you know, I 
I've sort of lost the ability to use dry a dry medium, a pencil, yeah. for instance. And and I can see you doing it with great effect. <laughs> but I just and also I tend to fill in the background so there's no white paper. Yeah. I maybe at the end of this virus session I'll learn how to do it. <laughs> 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 like that I haven't gotten there but would you like to I mean it seems to me that the sound of these like um you know by by put, filling in all the paper it's like there's nothing dry you're absorbed the whole thing is like absorbed that's how your paintings often feel to me I mean I was describing them to you before as like surfaces that you could float in which is what people often say but you can also kind of drown in they're like really dense in their atmosphere i hope you don't mind me saying that that's just personally how oh, i love it, I love it. <laughs> i'm gonna quote you <laughs> because they're super that the, like the color is this saturating like sinister it kind of like the floatiness i get because it's layers and and it forces you to kind of visually move through those but then in moving into the space i feel like i'm falling into it and sort of giving myself into it too you know yes and I think I I am addicted to that so I try and re <laughs> recreate it with the works on paper yes okay so so it's a different feeling than having a white piece of paper and making a line drawing on it yeah that that's not quite what I'm doing no no, I totally get that. Because actually the tension for me is constantly how to get the drawing line into the painting. It's like the opposite problem. <laughs> yeah, right. You no, know? I've thought about that too. The yeah. difference between drawing and painting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Especially because it's like, I feel like we don't give them these criteria that like, you know, you call your drawings your gouache and I call my drawings my kind of, I do loads of weird, lots of, I use all sorts of material. But it, it's not necessarily classic drawing either, you know. Um, well, yes, it's works on paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do they co correspond to each other? Like, how are they happening? Are they, like, coming fluidly or how is the pace of everything? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure well, with that. <laughs> I, I brought this big pile I had in my studio right. of, of, work, of work in process, which is really helpful. So yeah, I'm not starting fresh each time I'm working I'm working through ideas yeah and and trying to make which is the way I paint too mm. I I start a lot of things at the same time in the night so every day I take a batch of them and try and push them farther along mm. and and how are they liking that are they moving with you are they resisting like how, I really like that they're being really stubborn. They're being like, <laughs> like Skype. Are we on? Are we on Skype now? No, we're on this amazing platform that I've been using called Anchor. Um, so <laughs> it's a um, podcast recording app um, that I have tried to kind of teach myself how to learn. It's actually really easy uh, once you get the hang of it. So uh, we're recording on that, which is kind of amazing. So this is for me is actually the easiest medium to record on even easier than Skype as we proved. So yeah, it's great. I I wonder if, well, I'm so glad I, I can hear you loud and clear. And this seems to be working great. Brilliant. Too, for, for creating a podcast 
at this time when we when we need more connection with each other well exactly i mean that's the, really the it it got me thinking this idea that we're all working in isolation and you know we kind of were happy with that to some extent because we can go and get on with what we need to do you know we're not messing around we want to get on with it but equally we i realized i hadn't realized i guess how important the touching in with other artists and because it happens so naturally and kind of organically and gently um and i just thought we have to talk about this and also the impact on maybe exhibitions we're having the work we're making the mindset we're in the practical and the psychological i guess so um that was the driving force and and like i said i didn't really know what i was doing you know i was like okay we'll just start one um and they've been really exciting and some of the some of the things coming out are exciting you know and to talk to you is exciting like you're in maine and i'm in london this is just you know and we haven't sorry go on yes great (laughs) i think as a community yeah as an art world yeah we we refuse to die we're we're not going to go away yes exactly and I mean you you are really you're often talked about in that sense like as a as a a real figurehead and kind of a beacon in the community someone who really cares and like you know you and I made contact I was on the residency in in Maine Skowhegan and we've kind of been in touch you know in a in a gentle way but in you're very very generous in that way I just wondered how you feel about your community and about like when did that become something you were able to start doing it's always been important to me I think Mm. I when I made the decision to be an artist Mm. what another way of saying it was I wanted to live an art the an artist life I Mm. wanted to live as an artist yeah so um that meant being in touch with other artists and also, you know, I didn't have a an art education, a no. conventional art education. So the way I learned how to be an artist was from other artists. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm self-taught. I hate that word. I know me too, actually. I, 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 ref- I refuse to put that in the, <laughs> in the questions to you because I just thought, meh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but you actually went to art school. I did go to art school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what art school gives you is that sense of you re- you realize really quickly that that's what you're at art school for in a way to to be given that community in like a really like intravenous way. Well, I used to teach these kids who took art in high school and then mm. they would come and they really had no idea that what they were learning in high school was connected to a huge art history, to mm-hmm. a huge world mm-hmm. of other artists, and that there were lots of ideas out there, not just life drawing and so on. Yeah. No, that's so true. And I think it's interesting, like the idea of a struggle to get to be an artist. Um, like maybe it makes you more, I don't know, thirsty or... feisty or you know like my my family didn't yeah my family didn't necessarily they weren't against it but they just didn't really understand it they were you know well what does that look like how does that happen what are you going to do for money like you know um so it was through care and worry but it wasn't something that was that um you know obvious or easy it was like no I'm going to do this you know um 
I do. And I know you, I know you were similar. Uh, you, you said, there's this great quote from you. I'm not going to fool around because you kind of fought to get there. I love that. I've written that in bold. <laughs> well, you know, I, when I felt that when I was on the faculty at Skowhegan, because mm. <clears throat> it's sort of a summer paradise with a lake and lots of parties at night. And yeah. I wanted to stand up in front of all those wonderful young artists and say, I can't believe you're using this time not in your studio. <laughs> in a few weeks, you're going to go home. You're going to have jobs and pressures. And here you can get instant feedback and you have the most luxurious art. Yeah. Art how uh, art studios and everything you could wish for yeah get to work <laughs> but i never said that i didn't dare say no that. why oh i see that i think that i think half the people at skohegan feel that way and the other half are the people who who haven't heard it yet you know <laughs> no one's told them <laughs> i think they they the other half have very strong needs to have a good time to fall yeah. in love to yeah. dance to drink to there was all that no definitely and i mean the the community side of it i guess extends to the social there so it is interesting to balance that you know the idea of because like you say that you know the skowhegan is like nowhere else there are you know people there are lots of mythology uh, you know myths around skowhegan and um and I feel like a lot of them don't really do it justice because actually the idea of walking through the woods to a studio where you can make in peace and then ask the person next door to come and have a conversation and not just the person next door, but the other 60 odd people. I mean, and everyone's invested, everyone's interested. Um, it's so intense in a way. It was like, you know, either very, very uh, raw, you know. <laughs> you were kind of unusual come from Great Britain I don't think because um, London for instance already has a very lively art scene I think yeah. it was rare to want to spend a summer in the woods of <laughs> Maine <laughs> in, I mean in the United States yeah I mean to be fair I'd never been so I had no idea what it was going to look like or be like or um I've I think heard what, about it. it yeah it has a great reputation here oh it does yeah yeah um yeah yeah it definitely does I mean I feel like it's definitely something that's slightly under the radar but it's sort of talked about as somewhere that you go to sort of you know to experiment but also to to hone and kind of deeply interrogate something that you by that point, you believe in it already almost. For me, at least, I was sort of like, I am definitely, I'm a painter. This is what I'm doing. But um, I was ready to be opened out a little bit, broken down a little bit, and then, you know, rebuilt at the same time. It's it's a very intense period. Yes. I, I was glad to see you there. I was like to see painters there because Skowhegan was started by painters. Yes, and, yeah. And it used to be. Everyone there was a painter. And what? When did you get involved with it? Who was the? What you know? What point were you aware of it? Or when when I 
began to paint, it was the 70s, and I was living year-round in Maine in the mm. house that I'm now talking to you from. Mm. And, and I realized one way I could learn a lot would be to drive about an hour or so and hear the weekly lectures, mm. which are free and open to the public and, and are great. And, the phenomenal. Yeah. And, mm. and, I, and I would drive up there and my eyes would be popping. And I never, <laughs> I never thought that I would be able to go because I had these two little kids and I couldn't just take the summer off. No. So when I got the invitation to be on the faculty in 2009, it was an email. And I answered the email by just putting my finger on every every single key <laughs> on the keyboard with all these explanation points. I just said really? yes. I, just, I was just overwhelmed with joy that I could yeah. be part of that at yeah. last. And I was mm -hmm. in my 60s when mm -hmm. I went up there. No wonder I was kind of not joining in the party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. I mean, it definitely felt like that to me. I was just so grateful to have kind of, I felt like I'd sort of slipped in, you know? It was like this thing of arriving and feeling very displaced because the time difference and the plane and, there's two there's there's two planes in fact to so your luggage changes and you kind of land and you're in this kind of giant field and it's funny because they make you choose your studio when you arrive so you, you you arrive you have dinner and then you're kind of exhausted and they're like right choose the studios meet people <laughs> but there's a bonfire um it's kind of ritualistic but in a way it forces everything to get done straight away so you can get on with it um and also stop the like thinking things through too much almost so um for me it was a complete um immersion that I really needed like a literal all you have to think about is what you're making and the people around you and listening and gathering as much as you can and, and giving as much as you can that and that to me I mean it was yeah it was a bit of a dream for me <laughs> personally yeah. I just wanted to live there <laughs> I was like <laughs> I was like, I, I want lectures every day and chats about, you know, the meaning of the color red and, <laughs> um, you know, discussions on the beach about painting that fail because everyone's so passionate and um, swims every morning in the lake. I mean, it was, it was, it was really idyllic. Um, yeah, I, I'm very glad it exists. I really am. And they, and they gave me a little cabin right on the lake. It was sort mm. of cantilevered right over the lake, which I appreciated because, you know, I do a lot of, a lot of my images are people in water. Yes. Swimmers. yes. And, and so I had right out my window every day, this view of little heads bobbing in the water, <laughs> <laughs> which was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so, but you were making the bathers, the, the paintings of the swimming characters before that. And then you, they get a bit, yeah. And and at night, I could hear the voices of people swimming, and laughing and splashing around. <laughs> and and you know how cold it was at night there. And I would mm. say, get out of bed and go look, and see <laughs> what this looks like. You you paint all these paintings of people swimming at night, and mm. at least go look at it. So mm. one night I did get up.
And I looked mm. out the window and it was completely dark. You can't see anything. Mm. You you need a spotlight in order to yeah. see a swimmer at night, which, which I had never realized because I was making it all up in my head. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense because it feels like a lot of the light in your paintings are almost like crepusculan light, like dusk and dawn. Yeah, well, it's all invented. Yeah, I mean, but that time of day does feel like it's invented because it's like shadows and I, I play and, you know, you, you think you see something and then it shifts kind of thing, that transition. Well, you know, that's all the paint. That's the... Mm. Do you know that I started out as an abstract painter, did you? I don't think so. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think I could... I think I would guess that you didn't. We're strangely at the same place now using different body parts as Mm. shapes, the legs Mm. and so on. Mm -hmm. As um and I liked what you said about the show I had in London, which was called Legs and Stripes. Yeah. And you and you said it didn't seem to be about either legs (laughs) or stripes. (laughs) It was more about paint. Yeah. Which I think is hard for people to understand who don't make paintings. But I think you have a good point. Well, it felt it's interesting because to me, when a show is titled like that, you know, you're intentionally telling me something, but you're not telling me the literal, you're not giving me everything. Otherwise, you would title it differently, you know, or just say untitled as well. Yeah. <laughs> and standing in front of those paintings, I think it made me think of rather than you were describing a leg or a stripe it felt more like the idea of like feeling the feeling of having a leg or the sensation of a stripe and when does a leg become a stripe if it's repeated and that really becomes about like this the the section of brush mark which is leg becoming the stripe alongside the red mark or whatever it is so I think that's what I meant by that does that is that how you think about it well you're exactly right because I love taking the brush, a big brush, and drawing it across the painting and making Mm. a stripe. And and I've never been interested in observational painting of drawing from Mm. a model, Mm. as you can probably tell. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know, though, because I can't stop going on about the heads in your paintings. I mean, when I first, when I came to the show in London relatively recently, um, and you were there, which was very exciting, that I couldn't stop talking about the heads because they have, they kind of void in a way. They feel like they're not a portrait. They're not really a head. They're sort of a, a, a form um, and layers of paint. It's kind of a, you know, kind of translucent. But then they, they have an expression and they have an anatomy. Like they have jaw and teeth and cheekbone. And uh, I found that fascinating, just that balance between telling me that it's a face and giving me an expression and the anatomy of the inside maybe but somehow stripping it all the outside away I think some artists would consider them kind of cartoons Hmm. and perhaps they are I mean do you how do you see the figures I see them I I go back to my abstract roots roots very Hmm. easily Hmm. and and I never thought that I should be making heads. I thought that was for a real figurative painter, you know, <laughs> Lucian Freud. Not yeah. Wood. 
and there were a couple of paintings in that show where where I actually had a lot of different kinds of heads. I think because I was interested in identity and how many different kinds of people there are. And mm. and maybe that comes from my interest in community and being part of a group and enjoying how similar we are, but also how how we're all individuals. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And and is the is the color part of that? The kind of because some of them, I mean, in one of the paintings, I think I read about you talking about this one as well. But it has like a cat in it, and oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't you disrupt. We think there's a system, and we might think there's characters, and we think we're working it out. And I'm like, oh yeah, that that figure's like repeating, and I can see it coming back in this. And then you're like, oh no, that's not the same one. This isn't. This is a big community. Like there's a yeah. cat in there. <laughs> well, it was like it was people standing in line. And, and one of them's head started mm. to look like a cat with ears. <laughs> so it was a cat standing up with its arms around the people, the humans next to it. Mm. Um, that, because when I paint, a lot of things happen on the surface and, and give me an idea for what to do next. And that mm. part of the painting started to look like a cat. And I and I thought, well, can I get away with this? <laughs> but someone bought that painting. I was so pleased. They, I mean, it was totally absurd. <laughs> but it, that's great. Yeah. So did did you did you talk to them about it or? No, I no, I'd really like to. That that yeah. You know, I don't I don't get to do that very much. Is ask someone or talk to someone who lives with one of my paintings. That's something I'd like to do. But then you might not like the answers. <laughs> no, and, and sometimes I go to a house and it's got a big piece of furniture or a plant right in front of the painting. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's better to like imagine where they might be. Exactly. I mean, I had the privilege of seeing your studio when it was like, I don't know how long you'd had of the summer in the studio, but it felt busy and it was full of, you know, I had like the community of paintings all together as well as in each painting. Um, and I just wondered how, like, I know you're not in the studio right now, but maybe you could just describe like the way you work and the pace maybe and the kind of um, the the way you move between canvases. Cause I felt it was the, the setup was fascinating, like two walls and they were, on opposite sides of the wall and it felt like a very easy to move around very dynamic space i guess i'm so glad you saw that i me too <laughs> I, I realized i had the summer ahead of me and i can't remember what i was working for but i did have a deadline mm. and and i wasn't going to fool around <laughs> <laughs> I, I got I spent you know I got up early in the morning and I got to that studio and I worked all day long mm -hmm. which was wonderful I didn't have to teach I didn't have to take care of a household mm -hmm. and um I I set up all these canvases and worked as fast and on and as many as I could because mm -hmm. I knew once I got back to New York that people would be coming to my studio and I'd have to have something to show them, something good. Yeah. People people say, oh, I, I, I really would like to see 
I'd like to get one of your paintings, but I realized that what they mean is they want a good painting. <laughs> and that is a challenge. I can do a lot of bad paintings or lame paintings, but to do a lot of good paintings was what I was working towards. <laughs> And how do you know when they're like lame? If you, I like that word. Um, well, you can tell because people ignore them when they come mm. for a studio visit. Mm -hmm. And after a little bit of time, I get sick of them and I want to change them. Mm. And also I have a, my gallery in New York called Canada is really good at editing my work. And they will ignore the paintings that, <laughs> that, are, that are lame. They, oh, that's handy. They they just won't won't exhibit them. Thank God. It's handy. It's handy to have a brutal editor. Oh, it's great. There's that great, you know, quote about Francis Bacon that he would that the gallery he called the gallery and say, you know, the work the painting's ready, and then. They'd have to come over right then, but otherwise he'd keep working on it and he'd ruin it, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. It's a, I always like that story that he was such a kind of manic, um, you know, that he, in order to edit, they had to jump in before, <laughs> you know, otherwise he'd, he'd burn it or put a hole in it or, I don't know, go too far. Yes. It's, um, you know, I think that's a really great skill is stopping at the right time mm -hmm. yeah for sure I mean do you do, do you go back often because they are pretty layered up the paintings yes I like do washes. go back often yeah and after like a lot of you know a big amount of time or are you sort of constantly working on a few at the same time or is it I don't know it felt like I say the, what I saw was very dynamic and and it felt expansive as well so I don't know I work on one at a time, which I was like, oh, this is how I want to do it. The way you had it set up was just amazing, like a dream. Um, do you work on one at a time or are you working on multiples and then going back and back and back? You know what I mean? Like doing rounds almost. It is like doing rounds. I really feel like that. I feel like I'm going from one sick bed to another <laughs> and, trying, and trying to revive them. <laughs> amazing. That is in, that is interesting. So they start off kind of sickly. <laughs> yeah, they do. Well, actually, Amazing. sometimes in the very beginning, they look terrific. Yeah, I find that. Yeah. That's the worst thing. They look very fresh. Mm -hmm. But then I, I realize I have to do a little more. Well, again, you've got to do that Gustin thing of like lose the thing on the left to find the thing on the right. Is that what Gustin said? Yeah, there's a a film of him where he's got the bit on the left and then he thinks it's brilliant and he comes back in the morning and realizes he has to get rid of it to find the bit on the, he does the bit on the right and the left disappeared well i do like that quote of gustin's where he says that the people have to leave his studio his influences mm. all the people that he loves picasso is yeah. there but then picasso leaves and then finally <laughs> he has to leave his That's ego yeah and then and then he can make the painting and do you find that do you find those people that you're kind of maybe not talking to but you kind of carry with you 
your references or your, you know, talisman or? Well, one of them was Rose Wiley. Oh, yeah. Who, who I haven't met. But mm. um, I've been in a few shows with her. Yeah, you have, yeah. And and her courage to paint the way she does mm. um, so directly has been a big inspiration to me. Mm. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, there's something about the... I don't know, the, there's something about the translation which is so on the nose, you know? <laughs> there's no... Um, She's not in the room, <laughs> yeah. you know, with herself. I mean, she's just letting it happen. I feel like, I don't know. Um, those, those works are fantastic. Um, have you seen them in the flesh? Have you seen much of Rose's work for real? Well, not enough. Um, yeah. I think she was due to have a show this fall, which I guess will be pushed up. And yeah. she doesn't travel. She's not going to come over here. To no. Work. No. I mean, it's interesting that whole travel thing's been thrown into, <laughs> you know, I mean, did you travel a lot or were you between your studio in Maine and your studio in New York? No, once I'm in Maine, I stay in Maine. But yeah. in the past couple of years, I've done a lot of trips to Europe, mm. which, which have been wonderful. Um, and I wonder that, if that's going to change a lot after this mm. I don't yeah know. potentially potentially yeah we'll see we'll see I guess um and in terms of the things coming out in the work now what you know these these gouache pieces are they do they feel you know thinking about Rose's courage I guess and that directness do you feel like that you're channeling something new is it is it territory that feels kind of new and exciting or is it more you're developing something that was that was existing that the the was there the, these characters or these compositional elements? I don't feel they're that new. I, mm -hmm. I, to tell you the truth, I don't really like them that much quite yet. <laughs> but, but that's not unusual. I, I, yeah. hope, I hope something will happen even tomorrow. And I'll say, yeah. oh, look what I found. But that hasn't really happened. You know, I love that you know, idea. Um, all the artists who are, and all the people who work at Canada in New mm. York had a Zoom, to, uh, got together on Zoom. Yeah. And, and I really got the feeling, there were about 14 of us, that, that it was very hard to get down to work mm. because of this the crisis, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think we're all very mm -hmm. distracted by that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting even to be, because I think you can't get it out of your mind, even if you think you have, you know, it's like the subconscious trickling. Uh, like I, I'm having very weird dreams. Like I, it was interesting saying that you woke up in the night hearing, at Skowhegan hearing the swimmers, because I, I woke up last night here smelling something burning and then imagining I was giving someone a root like a tree root and they were giving me and we had to do this exchange <laughs> but I was kind of awake you know it was like a really weird semi-dream and I um, think it's I, from I, the news I don't know I mean I try I, to be honest with you I find I can't really watch too much of it because I get really anxious and then I just get kind of feel panicky um 
you know, so I try and keep keep in in touch, but from a from a little bit of a distance, just just from a self preservation, like mental health point of view, um, um, and to keep because I think there's that crippling thing of if all this it can be it can be overwhelming, and then and then you wouldn't get anything done. You know, you couldn't sit at the desk and make the gouache because you're kind of worrying that you should be doing something to. Well, personally, I find myself worrying that I, I need to do something that's really impactful that can help and can, you know, <laughs> take something to a neighbor or which I'm trying to do as well. Yeah, you're doing um, these podcast casts, which are, which are <laughs> part of part of history. If people are wondering what what happened to the creative community during the pandemic, this is a record of yeah. it that you're making. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, I hope it's a, a hopeful thing, you know, like I want, I definitely want it to be a, um, a space where, because it's interesting, I was also reading about as all, uh, a book I'm reading at the moment um, about, basically about giving in. Um, it's actually about the American Midwest, it starts off. Um, and um, and it's, it's, it talks about being prey, how we are all prey but we don't think of ourselves as prey. We think of ourselves as some kind of predator or some kind of superior being. And that idea of being prey was really interesting to me that we were then, if you give in to that, you're kind of vulnerable and exposed somehow that's all, useful. We're all prey because, because we are all going to die. Well, I guess that's what it's alluding to in the book, but I mean, it specifically talks about, you know, animals that are bigger than us kind of in, in America, you're kind of more proximate maybe to some of the big animals. Um, so we were at risk, you know, this bigger, there's threats that genuinely, we are genuine prey, but yeah, that too, you know, that, that there's that reality, reality, I guess, um, which is quite helpful that, you know, one day you can not be okay and think about where to put that emotion and, and then other days you feel like you can do something like make your painting or, um, you know, do a podcast. You know what I mean? It's like doing what you can do with what you've got. And, and I, I would say two things are happening now. One is I get a lot of online uh, that I can click on what artists are doing now. Mm -hmm, so it would mm -hmm. be art in the age of, of the coronavirus and also a mm -hmm. tremendous amount of auctions and people selling yes. art to raise money. A lot. Yeah, of that. that's true. Yeah, I mean, you supported some really interesting kind of initiatives on Instagram too. I think, haven't you? Like U.S.-based ones. Yeah, I I think people are raising the question that you mentioned. What what? Mm -hmm. How can I help? Exactly. And donating art seems to be one way to do it. Mm, mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And rallying together to like make something. I mean, it's making me remember in your studio those dead brushes. <laughs> you know, I, don't... <laughs> I do not call them dead brushes. I know you don't. I knew you'd hate that. <laughs> but as a painter, I was like, oh, they've all died because... <laughs> So these, I'm just going to describe what I'm talking about. These are, oh, you can actually, if you want. Oh, yeah, no, it's better I'd like than you to do. hear your description. <laughs> um, so this is, in Kathy's studio, there was a table um, set up with these 
uh, brushes, all different kind of widths that, that were kind of caked in old paint that had been left to dry and basically hadn't been rescued in time. <laughs> so they'd, to me, they died because they can't be used as like a brush in that way unless you make that kind of uh, chunky kind of, uh, you know, spiggy painting. Um, so the idea that they've been, <laughs> they're left to dry out and they're caked in paint and they become these kind of beautiful artifacts where you can see the bristles, but you, you can just about make them out through the paint. And they all have these like characters too. So it becomes like another little community of brushes that are dead, but you're sort of reviving. Well, well, I, I painted numbers on them. I painted the you year did. that they, <laughs> that they died. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like an amazing diary or catalog or I was just thinking, shit, why didn't I didn't think of that? You know, <laughs> because also what you were saying was you gave them as gifts to like people around the studio, like at Christmas and stuff, like the year of whatever it was. No, actually, when the summer ends, I give them to all the other artists. Oh, the in, summer. Yeah, in, that's right. In the in that mill building that I was working. in. Yeah. In the block, and yeah. I, and I gave Wait. one to the landlord, and it's and it's on his wall in his office. It yeah, looks, it I mean, looks pretty funky. I'll tell you that they are funky. Yeah. They're really, really cool. I mean, they also reminded me of you know those um, trolls that when you used to play with when you were little. Those little like horrible doll things with like hair coming out the top of it. That's really punky. They're like little punky characters they're really fun i just love them and and there's something about that playfulness of not just not throwing stuff away not being like oh shit that's ruined it's going it's in the bin but seeing the like seeing the life in it kind of and then seeing its other lives kind of evolve um and i didn't realize you would talk about like the paintings as like sick <laughs> sick bed sickly paintings um but it's a great parallel to the, to the, dead the sick brushes. paintings in I a way see. yeah oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm genuinely a fan I meant dead because as a like I say as a painter you know when <laughs> when I was trying to learn to paint I I mm -hmm. would um take a brush with a lot of paint on it and just mm. I would paint the chair that I was sitting in and and I would paint <laughs> numbers on the on the wall and I painted a doorknob on my door and and it was very relaxing. It it helped me <laughs> lose my fear of making a piece of art. Is mm. be, being able to just put paint on anything in mm. in a non serious way, almost like street art almost like yeah. graffiti and and I don't do that so much anymore but it was it was a great way to relax which was I think it's hard when you're beginning and you face making a work of art it's you you don't feel relaxed at all you feel no. like you have to be really good and and sometimes yeah. that that that's the worst thing to feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really, I think it can be the biggest obstacle. You know, you try and make something good and it ends up kind of tripping over itself or something. Well, you're trying too hard and I can yeah. see it in my old work that I was trying mm. too hard and it's not interesting. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I I love that idea of trying to lose, you know, not even consciously, but losing your fear through making painting yourself into it almost you know like even painting your chair you're sitting in is amazing because it's like you're becoming part of the gesture of the mark making as well well I knew that it didn't matter that it that didn't have to be good that I could just do any thing and if it didn't <laughs> look good so what um and that yeah. was helpful and also we used to there there's all this furniture that people put out on the sidewalks in New York that is free and they were, yeah. there would be like a bureau that was all smashed up. And we would take the drawers <laughs> and, and use them as canvases. We would make paintings on them. And, and the paintings were much mm. better. They were, they, were, they were more interesting. They had more freedom in them. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really interesting thing about even, like I, I guess the equivalent now would be like changing scale or like painting on T-shirts or, for me, I mean, like trying to mix it up in a way that feels, using something you can't use yet, you know, that gets in the way of itself. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think um, canvases are less expensive now. Thank God. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Exciting. Either canvases are less expensive or I'm not so poor. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. You've made it. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's very cool. It's very cool. Um, and then I just wanted to ask you about any, I mean, we've talked a little about the work that you're making, which is these gouaches, but any, are there anything, is there anything new that's exciting? Any like color or anything that's sort of surprising you? um in my work you mean yeah yeah well yeah everything but yeah <laughs> um I started to use the raw canvas which is not a new idea I know a lot of artists do it um mm -hmm. but I started to leave a lot of raw canvas showing mainly because I ran out of gesso and I got and I got okay. really <laughs> impatient I wanted to to keep painting and and I only yeah. had these stretch canvases and there was no more and there was no more gesso or for some reason I couldn't mm. buy it and mm. and so I did a few paintings like that and and I haven't really shown them yet so we'll see mm -hmm. that's exciting I'm looking forward to seeing them. That sounds exciting. I, I don't know if you could drown uh, in them, though. <laughs> well, I'm sure you, I mean, I, I've not seen them, but yeah, I can, I'm sure there'll be another sensation that you're offering, another space. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're much more minimal. They're minimal. Okay. Mm, interesting. It sounds like a bit, a, a, quite a big shift. Yeah, you know, people don't like it when you shift. <laughs> people, people want I could go on doing paintings of swimmers forever except that I don't want to exactly no I, I, I like it I, I'm excited mm. <laughs> I'll be a fan Thank there you, you go I'm looking forward to seeing them um, and then I always wrap up I mean I feel like we could talk a lot longer but 
Um, I don't want to take too much of your time in, in this weird in this weird time. Um, so I always end with asking, um, can you suggest anything that's been helpful to you in this period? Like either t- a, you know, a film or a TV or cooking or a recipe or routine, a book. It can be anything. Well, I'm in this wonderful old farmhouse in Maine and um, mm-hmm. it's chilly. It's spring has not come. There's there's no green outside, and and it snowed oh. a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we've been keeping a wood fire going. We have a wood wood stove, and and it's really wonderful nice. the smell and the sound of a fire. And we've been trying to get all the wood just from what's lying on the ground, which is mm. everywhere, and. And it's kind of a wonderful thing to do, all these logs, gathering them. It feels very basic. I was going to say primitive, yeah. which is a joke, because we're not primitive at all. Um, mm. But I like doing it, gathering wood for our fuel. Yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. What a nice ritual. Yeah, it is kind of a ritual. And you feel as though yeah. you're doing something useful. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then there's the reward, right? It's like when you go camping and you make tea, the tea tastes better. Right. <laughs> yeah, because it's such a pain in the ass to make it. <laughs> you know, you have to go get the water and then bring it back. And then, I, I don't know, I find it fascinating that the the process is so laborious and somehow the product is even better, even sweeter. So, Well, you know, us Americans, we don't know how to make tea, so. <laughs> Love it. I'll, I'll teach you sometime. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then the, the last question, have you, heard, have you learned anything about yourself? Well, coming back to this house that I used to live in when I was younger, makes mm. draws me right back to how much I loved living in the country with a wood stove, with a garden. Um, mm. And I didn't want to give that up and move to New York, but I did mm. eventually. I moved to New York so I could be a more professional artist I guess with a bigger community (laughs) and um, I don't regret that but I never thought that I would be able to come back and live this lifestyle once again it's a real gift Mm -hmm. really lovely nice Um, amazing and that we did we didn't talk about the shows that have been um postponed for you but where can people see more of your work is it your website or canada gallery where should we direct people well just as this lockdown started a show of mine opened in portland oregon at adams Mm -hmm. and ullman gallery and amy adams who runs that gallery was really ingenious about how she is keeping that show alive my son huh. lives in Portland, Oregon, and he went over to mm-hmm. the gallery and took a video. And then, without me knowing it, he called me on the phone. And so you can hear us having a conversation about the show. Oh. And that 
And that's on um, Adams and Ullman website now. Brilliant. So people can find it there. Amazing. And I'll include that link in the podcast uh, description oh, as well. Um, yeah. And thank you so much. It's been amazing you, to talk Emma. to you. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Or maybe I'll see you in New York. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. So that would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> like you say, I'm not fooling around if someone, if it's going to happen. Okay, let's do don't it. fool around. <laughs> don't fool around. I love it. All right. Really good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.